bears, my friends. I've come to rant with you again. Because I got a lot of sweet bear steins. And I'm using one now, it's fine. And they're metal, so they won't break in the mail. Or the hail. I put a hundred for sale on Patreon. They all sold in under an hour. So now there aren't any more for sale. Cause I'm shipping them myself and I don't want to be overwhelmed. But the good news is they'll be out before Friday. Hip hip hooray. 17 ounces of pure, unbearable splendor. Hello everybody. Welcome to another episode of the live feed. Make sure the gain's not too high. The unbearable live feed. The unbearables rocking it. We have some good stuff to talk about today. If you want to write me a message, you can send it to, well, some uh, Patreon people already did. So I'm going to read some of those. But uh, paypal.me slash feed the bear. We already have a couple. And I'm going to talk about the history of war today. I'm going to talk about law enforcement. I'm going to talk about um, the Bells, the B I E L S K I, the partisans, the Belsky partisans, and why that's important for gun legislation and just for just great history knowledge. And we're going to talk about Starbucks. We're going to talk about Thomas Sowell's new book. We're going to talk about men and women, and we're going to play some more music. It's going to be fun. I'm very excited. I the the they assured me that the speeds are faster today. How's it look? Is the uh, is the uh, chat faster? You can be at Facebook, you uh, slash Owen Benjamin Comedy. You can be at um, Vimeo.com slash Owen Benjamin. You can be at HugePianist.com. And then I'll upload it later at YouTube. So um, I'm trying to get as many platforms going as possible. It doesn't say my name above my message, so I wasn't sure. Oh, you're there, you're there, Iceback Bear. The picture's super sharp, awesome. Thanks, Herman. Yeah, we. Uh, I can now. Hey, Shea. Morning, Bears. Hey, Barry Manilow. It was good hanging with you guys last night at the fire. I did a Periscope last night, and that was a cool way where I can talk to people, not just uh, the ones that PayPal me. Because uh, quality is visibly better, and I never noticed it was bad before. That's awesome. But when you do all these different platforms, which is just better, like Facebook, my website, Vimeo, YouTube, I need to have it in one place uh, so I can read messages. And that's why the PayPal thing is cool. All right. So, yeah, I, I we sold 100 of these already right, at, right away at, at Patreon. Because I know some of my Patreons wanted to buy the, the last... Bearstein and couldn't uh, do it. And one of the ways that I want to say thank you to anybody who supports me on there is uh, you're always you always get first crack at whatever I'm selling. I had no idea that I would sell 100 in under an hour. That was not planned. I thought that would last me a good week, last me uh, less than an hour, which is insane and awesome, uh, humbling. But 
I have to figure out stamps. Amy's going to walk me through how to ship everything, but um, she's getting in the throes of, of pregnancy. Four dogs, 10 chickens, a toddler, and another baby on the way, and a super intense husband. So I'm going to try and take that off her plate. But I, wa I wanted to get you guys some more Bear Steins because these are, these are kick-ass, the metal ones, because they keep coffee hot and they keep beer cold very well. All right, from Aaron. Planning to have another show in Saranac Lake anytime soon. It's great to see someone from my area who has the platform to speak out. Love you, man. By the way, can I be out a fit bear? Of course. Yeah, me and my brother are planning another show here. We're going to do uh, the Blue Seed the Blue Seed Art Studio, I think. The woman who owns it is awesome. So that'll be fun. Yeah, because we've always had a blast doing shows here. It was just my special taping. Oh, and the same woman... Who did all that to me, like freaked out, who wasn't even at my show, who got offended. She's trying to get my buddy fired from his job because he has an NRA sticker on his car. So just know this lady's completely nuts. Like nuts, nuts, nuts. And the amount of cascading dominoes that has happened because of that woman in my life is hilarious. Because of course the local paper wrote up about the incident. And now, and then Pittsburgh canceled my show because of that article. And then now, wait till I get to that. I'm going to show you guys this article that was written in the local Pittsburgh newspaper that's unbelievable. In the headline, they call me alt-right. And it all stemmed from a lady who's trying to get a, a guy who teaches, a teacher fired because he has an NRA sticker on his car. I'm dead serious. She's insane. And we live in a world right now where the insane people are allowed power because they're just insane. Look at Starbucks. The Starbucks thing is, is nutty. Right, anyway, this is from Jared. I always work during the live stream, but catching up afterwards make my day. Makes my oh, and real quick, my buddy who's great, who's they're trying to fire. They can't fire him, but uh, but it's a good lesson to other people that these people never stop unless you stand up to them. They'll just keep worming and taking and taking, and unless you comply with everything they want, which always is power, they're going to keep going until being married with a kid will be an act of privilege. And they will try and fire you for that. I'm dead serious. The fact that they're trying to fire people for NRA uh, bumper stickers is, it's, it's so beyond comprehension from any, for anyone that's, that's not retarded or has lived more than a year on this planet. It's just unreal. And she never even asked me if I got my bike back. My bike was stolen when I was nine <clears throat> by a black man. And I want bike reparations. It's from Jared. I always work during the live stream, but catching up afterwards make my day. Today, you definitely missed a perfect opportunity to wish the fate of the pandas upon the leftists. If only leftists bred like pandas, problem solved. Much loved all the bears. Also, I'd like to be verified as Jared Bear. Welcome, Jared Bear. And, and the leftists do breed like pandas. That's why they are being outbred. They don't have enough kids. That's why, like, whatever you are and you want to maintain, breed. And I'm about to get to some uh, Thomas Sowell stuff in a second. This is from Cosmic Collectibles. Good morning. Love the cozy vibe on Periscope last night. Bummed that all the steins are sold out, but I expected such. Uh, we can, when can we expect merch-wise in the future? Well, now that you guys bought a bunch of steins, I have some cash to buy more merch. So, um, soon. I'm going to, we'll figure out what we should buy. But, uh, soon. Definitely more flasks. I'll look into more stuff. We'll get some killer stuff. But these, this, this was a long time in the making. Because it's got the Owen Benjamin comedy stamp, but it also has Joy Not Soy on the other side. 
And for those, uh, that's a that's an axe and that's a piano hammer. These babies are great because 17 ounces is perfect because it's a 16 ounce beer with an ounce of head. Joseph, song request, Stardust. I don't know if I remember it wrong, but the version I hear on YouTube seems too fast or rushed. I'm probably wrong. I don't know what Stardust is. Let me uh, look it up real quick. Stardust. There's Starbucks. Wait till you guys hear about Starbucks. Oh my God, it's so funny. These people are such idiots. They're such idiots. You know, we're talking about race. We're talking about race right now. Oh, it's an old school Nat King Cole. I'll have to look that up. That's going to take me a little time. And I got some plans for y'all. Hi, Owen. Thanks for doing the streams. I listen every day and it helps me get through a long day in a cubicle without getting involved in office drama. Might be verified as Tangle Bear. Of course. Welcome, Tangle Bear. Keep up the good work. I'm very glad I decided to take my husband to the Cleveland show for his birthday. Oh, yeah. The Cleveland show is a blast. We, uh, we did it in a, in a movie theater with no spotlight and it didn't even matter. That's the beauty of comedy. It just survives. Here's from Beth. Love to the family. Asking again about the hoodies. If you, um, if you email me at why didn't they laugh, I can, I can make an exception for you and get you a hoodie. I still have some left, but um, shipping them was kind of a pain in the ass just because I didn't really understand it. But maybe down the line. I was hanging out with uh, Crowder's merch guy this last weekend in Brea. Maybe I can set something up with him where he can just ship directly. I don't know. This, that's not my field of expertise. Owen, when are you going to pick up stuff from your P.O. box? I will today. Uh, Shane, hey, Owen, just started watching the live streams. Love your work. Keep fighting the good fight. I love the panda bear bit. I think there could be something with comparing them to the Kardashians and the Jenners. Both super high maintenance and nobody really cares about them unless they're having sex. That's really funny, dude. Also, any plans to come back to New England uh, for a show? Yeah, of course. I'm going to write that down. That's really funny. Someone else had a great... Had a great addition to the bit. Someone said that, um, oh, I don't know how to, this isn't, I'll figure it out. Someone said that polar bears, everyone's worried about uh, the global warming and their ice melting, but their real number one cause of death is diabetes because of all the Coca-Cola we keep shoving down their mouth. And it's actually very comparable to the black population. That the real issue isn't actually the police, it's, uh, it's all that Coca-Cola. <laughs> And the diabetes from the, the polar bears. Hey, you get it. Hey, Owen, can I be Tanda Bear? Unlike Panda Bears, Tanda Bears love to fuck and will eat damn near anything. Tandy. Of course. Welcome, Tanda Bear. Let me show you something really fast here. Uh, YouTube isn't as excited about... Isn't excited about my, uh, my panda joke. Hi, Owen Benjamin. After reviewing your video, we've confirmed that it isn't suitable for all advertisers. As a result, it will continue to run limited or no ads. And that just says, fuck panda bears, Owen Benjamin. <laughs> I think I just found that funny. But of course, it isn't good for advertisers. I'm not complaining about it. The title was fuck panda bears. With that kind of title, you can't expect anyone to, uh, to want to advertise on fuck panda bears. Unless they really want to sell their, their product. I think a lot of businesses are missing out on on getting on board, you know. Why are my glasses always crooked? It's crazy. I gotta get more contacts. But um Yeah, they'd rather go safe with Jimmy Kimmel or other socio like 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 socialistic psychos. 
Half the country hates these people. More than half. And I'm going to get to war soon. All right, this is what was in the Pittsburgh local paper. Local comic Dave Bracey clashes online with alt-right comedian over Owen Benjamin over canceled Pittsburgh show. And then it just shows this smiley dickhead drinking his free beers that he has to give everybody to come to a show. That's what he does. He gives people free beer to come to his open mics. And uh, he's such a dick, this guy. And so I just lit up the comment section. I never write comments on these things, but they got so much inaccurate in this article that it was laughable. So I wrote, also, I'm permanently banned from Twitter. Dave Bracey was threatening people with violence and no one seems to care too much. I believe that's called the soft bigotry of low expectations. And by the way, what I said about that Parkland kid was if you don't have pubes, you can't tell adults what they can and can't do. Yeah, permanent ban. And he, uh, and, uh, and, oh, and I misspelled some. And hey, Day, I'll perform at 428 in quote-unquote your city, and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, also, Joe, I was on a sitcom set in the city you live in for three years. Day bribes people to watch him bomb with free beer. That is why I'm featured and he isn't. Do the math, bud. Because originally it was my picture, and then they switched it out for his picture. Because they got complaints by social justice warriors that it was racist to have the white man and not the black man. B black man. Hilarious. I'm blacker than Dave Bracey. <laughs> it's just, the guy's such a fucking pussy. I, I, like, I'm infinitely more known than he is. The story's about me. And uh, he looks like a fucking gerbil. So why? So the, it's not racism, but they did switch it. Because if you call a white person racist, they just melt. It's almost like this weird... Um, this just crazy kryptonite that that people have now. You just call a white person racist and they will literally let you fuck their mom. It's just, you're a racist. Fine, fuck my mom. It's just, I don't understand it. It's just like what kind of guilt that comes from, I can't imagine. Uh, I said, Ryan, this was very dishonest. I'm sure your career at this quote unquote newspaper will be very prosperous and full of respect from the community, LOL. You didn't even have the, the number of followers at nothing. And then other people jumped in, which was awesome. My guys came in. People had my back. He said, this is an incredible pack of lies. You and your little outrage mob have the facts wrong. Owen already outlined them. And this so-called so comedian, Dacey, was disrespectful to a black Marine and called him an Uncle Tom. True story. Day is not fit to lace his boots. Day is the hateful one. This little fascist threw a tantrum and one uh, theater bent the knee. Buckle up, kiddies. You have a shot coming your way. Real comedy's not censored ever. God bless whoever wrote that. Someone else wrote, what a load of shit. Owen's far from alt-right. You guys need to learn the difference between a racial and racist jokes. Brilliant. Thank you. Someone else said, oh, this is great. I remember when Day went by his real name, Lamar Bracey, and got busted breaking into houses in Woodland Hills. Now he's all high and muddy and innocent and hates cops. Get out of here, dude. You're not funny. Someone wrote, didn't read where Dave Bracey uh, says he hates the N-word. I'll play their game to not get this pulled off uh, YouTube. I'll say N-word, but you guys can read exactly what it says. And we all know I have no problem with the word. But yeah, you. all right. The video he removed shortly after attacking Owen. Fortunately, it was archived. Oh yeah, we have it archived. And that's going to be in the documentary, bitches. Looking forward to a sold-out show in Pittsburgh. Hell yeah. You can still get tickets. There's Well, there's 22 tickets left yesterday. I, I, I think there's, I don't know how many there are, but hugepianist.com for Pittsburgh. 
There won't be conflict. That's the funniest part. These people never actually do shit. He'll be slinging his beer at his open mics saying bullshit. Uh, this says, please just be funny on stage, both the yins. Oh, that's a, that's a straight up Pittsburgher. That's awesome. A comic's job, be funny. Don't say words. Whoever's trying to stop another performer is a loser and mistaking themselves for the stage police. Be a man. Go after Chris Rock if you don't like the N-word. Beautiful. So true, dude. Look at this. This is tolerance right here. This is an upside-down American flag with a rainbow of bullshit. That's what they want, man. They want America to go down. And now let's talk about Belinsky. Look at these legends. Are these Southern... Are these... Who do you guys think these are? It looks like uh, Southern farmers with their own... Guns, bunch of rednecks. Nope, those are Jews during World War II rescuing other Jews. And this is a story that doesn't get out much because it's very pro-Second Amendment. And um, it shows how much the government sucks at protecting its own people and how people protect themselves. The Belsky Partisans were an organization of Jewish partisans who rescued Jews from extermination and fought against the Nazi German occupiers and their collaborators in the vicinity of Navenhorodak. Uh, German-occupied Poland, now Western Belarus. They are named after the Belskis, a family of Polish Jews who led the organization. Under the protection, 1,236 Jews survived the war, making it one of the many remarkable rescue missions in the Holocaust. The group spent more than two years living in the forest and was initially organized by members of the Belsky family. You don't know about this because that, okay, that doesn't sound like a lot of people, right? 1,236 that's more Jews than America took in the whole war. How do I know that? Because my little town of Oswego, New York, is the only town in all of America to take in any Jewish refugees during World War II. We took in 900 into uh, Fort Ontario. There's a, a book out by Ru uh, Ruth Magyar Isaacson called Haven. And uh, I always thought that was fairly shocking because the rhetoric of, you know, the constant, we beat Hitler and the Holocaust is so bad and all that stuff. Well, why the hell didn't we do anything about it? And uh, the fact is the government doesn't care about people ever. Even in the Holocaust, even, even with Hitler as our sworn enemy, we still didn't rescue Jews. It's crazy. And, uh, and these dudes with their own arms, with their own guns, in the woods of Poland, rescued their brothers and sisters from... Nazis. And that is a lesson that a lot of us don't get told in school because that goes against the narrative that you want to give all your money and all your power and everything to the federal government. And uh, yeah, Eric Weinstein's turned me on to some of these stories. Like there's this one guy who broke in to Dachau or one of these places and rescued a bunch of people. Like, there's so many heroic Jewish stories that you don't really get to see. All you get to see is the, uh, the ones about our army. And, of course, our, our military was very heroic. No question. But you don't see the civilian heroes because it goes against the narrative. And, uh, like, there was this other Jewish boxer. Was he Jewish or was he uh, gypsy? I can't remember. But he just, he stood against... Um, the Nazis, they were, they were trying to not let him fight. And he was this awesome boxer and he wouldn't stop fighting. And he covered himself with flour and dyed his hair blonde to mock the Nazis. And he knew he was going to die. And this is, the, this is the reason you don't know the story. 
because the German people had his back. Like we're tr- the way that propaganda works is they try to paint all Germans as Nazis. And that at any point, the German people were always trying to kill the Jews or trying to uh, support Hitler, which wasn't the case. It was a, uh, a cancerous government that had taken over. And the German people themselves rooted for the underdog, rooted for the hero, rooted for the, the he was either gypsy or Jewish fighter who mocked the, the concept of the Aryan. Who, paint, who, who put flour on his skin, dyed his hair blonde, and they sent him to a death camp. And, and the people didn't want that. They were cheering his name when he was fighting against one of the, the guys the Nazis wanted to win. And we're seeing that in Syria right now. Most of America is against these strikes. And I think one of the reasons is, it's not because... Like, I have friends that are just straight up always anti-war. I'm not that. I'm pro-war when it's necessary or pro-war in certain situations, but... I feel that we're almost acting like the Air Force for ISIS because I don't give a fuck, man. You're, you're straight up wrong if you think that the rebels are better than Assad. The rebels are ISIS, right? So the people fighting Assad are, are bin Laden's guys. Like, it's the same shit. It's this radical, jihadist, Islamist, Muslim Brotherhood garbage. And they're trying to go against... Assad, this guy shaves his chin. Say what you will about Assad. He's, he's not as bad as, as uh, the Bin Ladenites. Like, you don't want a caliphate. You don't want this expanding religious thing. That's why I don't understand people that don't see that. And if we're dropping missiles on, on um, Assad, that means we're on the side of the rebels, which is ISIS. So that makes no sense to me. And that's one of the things that I can't stand about the government is we elect these people to do what we say. What do we want out of Trump? Secure borders, secure borders and end to political correctness and only fight wars that there's a reason for, like, like to stop this uh, military industrial expansion. I mean, he's infinitely better than Hillary, but is he doing that? And I don't want to be one of these guys that just rips on him. Uh, when there's something going on that I don't understand, but we're, there's no border wall. Um, we're still spending tons of money. The political correctness thing's great. His judge appointments are great, but uh, why the hell are we bombing Syria? And there's nothing. We have no power. It's an illusion. We can't. The only power we have is in our families and in our personal lives. And in that, we have lots of power. Someone else asked me what was the most powerful thing about the Gulag Archipelago, and that was the Ukrainian Christians that uh, Solzhenitsyn said were never imprisoned. Because even in the Gulags, they were free in their mind because they hadn't lost their covenant with God. And that, to me, was the most powerful thing, where in any situation of state oppression, which we're not experiencing to the degree of many, many, many times in history, and that's one reason why I'm fighting for it so hard is because it's so damn valuable. And we're so lucky to be American that um, that some of these people would be in a gulag and still be free because they weren't compromising their ethics or morals. They weren't. Uh, they were still free in their mind. They were still living their covenant, and they weren't affected like the atheists and the and the communists and the people searching for pleasures of the flesh and and power. Because at that point. They will always be in prison because if all they want is freedom to act out their will on others 
or get sex or drugs or money or um, power. If you're put in a prison cell, you're now fucked for life. But if your aims and purpose is, is about something else, they can put you anywhere and you're not broken. And, and, to, and when he saw that, I think like seeing him, his reaction to that and seeing him internalize that uh, as one of Stalin's high ranking military officials and seeing that change in him to see what power really is and what force really is and what freedom really is. That was what affected me the most about the, the Gulag Archipelago. Another thing also is how they treated women, the horrors the communists do to women and how by stripping the, the sex of women, the gender of women and making everyone equal, all, the, the people hurt by far the most are the women. They're treated like men and raped and killed and worked to death and everything that makes them special and beautiful and magical and sacred is made vulgar and made every day and made ordinary. And to me, that is, that is just a gut punch and that, that I can't imagine. And just how they would, they would call um, a political prison, a political isolator and think that the changing of the word makes any damn difference. That's why I say the words I say, because I know for a fact that, that the word isn't evil. It's, it's, it's what's in your heart is evil. And the people most obsessed with political correctness and the right word are the ones that are the most evil because they're hiding behind this bullshit to not face the fact that what they believe in and what they push is, is, monst is monstrous. And I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't want to say people are evil. Everybody's capable of good and evil. And once I label someone as evil, there's really no finding middle ground and it's demonizing and they will never... Um, once you put someone in that hole, it's like when this newspaper guy calls me all an alt-right racist, I'll never talk to him ever seeking any kind of compromise. I'd now see him as an enemy and how do I not be hurt as much as, um, as he wants to hurt me. But at the same time, there are some people that I think once you give up your will completely to this non-reason bullshit for your own selfish needs. Like what, what other word can I call you? Are you having a bad day? <laughs> All right, this is getting intense, but you know, people ask me, people ask me uh, about the Bell, Belsky partisans and uh, you gotta expect it to get a little, little heated when I discuss that because and that's one thing about my town. My town never had anti-Semitism. And my town's like rural, you know? It's because the Jews were brought in from World War II and they integrated very well with the community and they were very good to the community and they were very, they helped build businesses in the community and they were very, um, I can't explain it. They were just good. Like people didn't develop a resentment because they, they were very grateful that they were uh, brought in. And so that's one reason why I didn't really understand it, anti-Semitism. I think it's a, I don't know. Let's just read a couple more of these. This is from Lisa. Owen, drunken bear, sending greens from Australia, mate. It's, it's out one one hours. I can't do Australian for shit. And I've just finished work. You read a Patreon message of mine and said it was genius. Oh, thank you. Oh, no, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It, uh, if I said it was genius, it was genius. I'll take your word for it. Thanks. It was the one about polar bear diabetes. Oh, yeah. I just talked about that. I don't know if you missed that, but I was just talking about how that's being added to the joke because of you, my friend. I know you are busy as a one-legged man in a bum-kicking competition, but you really need to do a whole album of music and on piano and various singers on vocals. First song is your Nine Inch Nails Closer version. They literally gave me goosebumps. You sing that one. Anyway, no, I should have a woman sing that one. And we should change fuck to love. I want to love you like an animal. Uh, you sing that one. Anyway, keep inspiring. Thanks for reading. Don't apologize. Don't stop. Much respect, loyalty, and respect. Come to Australia. Damn it, cheers. I'm absolutely coming to Australia. Cheryl, the Starbucks issue is infuriating. Every man in my family growing up wore a badge. I'm very proud of them. Can you talk about the false narrative that is promulgated by fascists like Black Lives Matter and Antifa that has actually caused the murders and targeting of police officers? The statistics are clear, yet the mobs and media keep spreading the lie. My entire childhood, I lived in fear of my dad or uncles would not come home from their job. P.S. I got a Stein. Very happy. Love it. In fact, I got a Patreon message from BT. says, uh, Prager you. And Sheriff Clark did a bit on our police perfect being in law enforcement myself. I see this as an important topic, which needs to be addressed publicly more often from the perspective of truth and logic. Can you comment, break down the issue in a stream? It falls largely into the racism, Obama biased media propaganda field. Of course I rewatched that just for you, my friend. And, uh, I really liked what he said about how perfection is an unattainable goal and the police, if they miss perfection, they are just ground down and hit hard. And, uh, and it was started by the Saul Linsky School of Identity Politics, where you, you create resentment. Uh, understand that a lot of these neighborhoods were begging for law enforcement in the 70s. Begging, begging, begging. They were getting hammered. The 70s, Manhattan was a dump. You know, there was like human shit and rats everywhere. It was just... It was like Bangladesh. And, um, and a lot of these places were just crumbling. And so the cops got sent in and started arresting people. But here's a statistic. Here's a statistic that I found fascinating and troubling from that video, the PragerU video that he's referencing. In 2014, the total amount of deaths from police use of force. Now, bear in mind, that's including... Uh, high-speed chases and standoffs and someone attacking cops. And that, that's not even unarmed accidental deaths. That's total is 990. And they're in the, 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 the edge. They're the knife edge of dealing with the worst people in the world are cops. 990. In the same year, medical errors killed 250,000 people. And no one is protesting that. Why? Because they don't care about human life. They care about uh, upending society. And, and, and one of the, the key places to do it is law enforcement. Because if rule of law doesn't matter, then the, the, like the natives, us, the, the people uh, in society are, are weakened. And that's the only way that, that nefarious groups can take control of America and of our uh, wealth and of our power and of our history is, I mean, I get emails that, that kids now in school are, are, are learning American history only back to like 1900. They don't even learn about the forefathers. And if they do, it's only as slave owners. That's nuts. 
250,000 people died the same year from medical errors as police killed 990 total. That's including meth heads holding a baby and a knife. You understand? That's the whole country. And so the fact that they use that against law enforcement, it puts law enforcement in peril. Look at what's happening with Starbucks, right? So these two guys get arrested from Starbucks because Starbucks calls the police because two guys are doing some shit. And we don't know what they were doing. Rather not, uh, like, who knows what they were doing? No one knows. All we know is that someone felt threatened and they called the police and the police were... I've been handcuffed in that situation from not doing anything bad, from uh, someone thinking that I was somebody else. And then they just take the cop cuffs off and they're like, oh, sorry, man. They don't say sorry. I think that's legally not something they do. But like uh, I've invited cops to shows that have fought, that have uh, handcuffed me by accident. You have to understand the cops are simply enforcing laws and they're doing their job. There are bad cops. There's cops that have done horrible things. Obviously, there's bad janitors. There's bad nurses. There's bad everything. There's bad Labrador retrievers, like a dog. There's dogs that are designed to be awesome and loyal, like a, like a dog, like a, a black lab. It's almost impossible to even think of a black lab that isn't awesome. And there are some that just bite people. So just know that there is no such thing as perfection. And this concept of utopia and then pushing all of life is a failure of achieving utopia is how you make people always feel agitated and shitty and resentful. And in that state, the person who sweeps in, the politician who sweeps in and says, I will help get you to the utopia, will get power. There is no utopia. You can't keep drugs out of prisons. How do you think you're supposed to keep drugs out of a country? They can't keep drugs out of a prison. Think about the way that they would have to make our, our streets and our civilization to keep drugs out. It's impossible. War on poverty, war on terror, war on drugs are all ridiculous. You can't fight these abstract things. All it is is a, is a way for the government to take more control. And it's not about cops. These cops are not getting more power. The government is. They're just serving heroically their neighborhood. And it's like, I, I just, okay, so to help, um, to help with that, by the way, I was trying to, well, I wrote all my best jokes I wrote for Crowder this morning about Starbucks. So watch Crowder's show. His Starbucks sketch or monologue legitimately may be one of the funniest things you see in a while. I'm not even going to say the jokes, but it's, it's so funny. But here's one that I, uh, they didn't use that I thought was funny. I wonder if they're going to get rid of the cheese Danish because it's, it's, from, it's, it's Danish. Is that some sort of oppression? Where it's like, is now is it going to be called the cheese... Uh, the cheese Wakanda. <laughs> Starbucks, man. Such a fucking joke. All right, so how does this all tie into war? Well, because once you make it so that, that a population has nothing in common and can't communicate, the only thing they can do is go to war. And war is typically done by governments and institutions and fought by civilians. And... um we're starting to see that. These Obama um, identity politics, divide and conquer things, only benefit a small amount of people. They don't benefit black people. 
And the whole reason that uh, black people are in a position that they're in right now is because of big government spending. There's a reason that the N-word has so much heat over it. And I suggest you check out my um, Why the N-Word is Taboo video on YouTube. It's been going a little viral lately, which is pretty cool because it gets people to think about it. But you get the most flack when you're over a target. Why that word? Why not rape? Why not abandonment, cancer, genocide? Why don't you say G-word, R-word, C-word, A-word? Why is it N-word, this relic of the past? It's because... In order to continue this expansion of government where uh, the inner city welfare state and the vote plantations for the Democrats continue is if you start a false narrative that being black by definition makes you a victim. Why? Because of the government? Because of incentivizing single motherhoods? Uh, motherhood because of the war on uh, drugs trying to, that eliminates the, the father in, a, in, a, in an area so economically depressed that some people turn to selling drugs? Uh, no, don't take blame for any of that. You're just going to put it on people with white skin, right? That just random white people just living their lives is the reason that Jamarcus is in prison. No, if, if, you, get, if you look at Thomas Sowell, before the welfare state of the 60s, the black family and the white family had, the high, had, had a similar rate of uh, children born in wedlock, and, as, and that is the number one predictor of a child's success is do you have parents that are married? So uh, the black literacy in America, the black uh, income in America was going up and up and up and up and up and up ever since the 20s, just zoo, right? And then it hits the 60s and plateaus. And you would think that once it hits the 60s, not only shouldn't it plateau, it, it should escalate because the government steps in for... Uh, you know, civil rights and all that stuff, when in fact, the government is what is keeping black people back. And they're trying to do it now with white people, where you dismantle the black nuclear family, where now, what, 11% of kids in the, in, in, that are black are born to married parents? One in two black conceptions are aborted. One in two. And then once the child's born, the chances that their parents are married is 11%. Okay, so now you have a single mom that's incentivized to have children because of the welfare state. There's no dad. And so a lot of times these overwhelm, overwhelmed moms just beat their kids. The, the kids have no um, father figure. And the mom needs all this welfare to keep going. So they always are going to vote Democrat. They go to these shitty city schools. And, and Thomas Sowell's 86. He's a black man from um, Harlem. And he talks about these parks that now you can't even go in, uh, where they would just be playing Frisbee and, and basketball, and, and you never heard a gunshot, and people would sleep outside in the summer because it was so hot. And now it's just crime-ridden and disgusting. And it's, it's not because of slavery, because for anyone that understands linear time, uh, Thomas Sowell was born after the Emancipation Proclamation. So, and it's not because of just white people existing, because that's the definition of racism. It's because of policies implemented by the federal government in the 1960s. And President Johnson has a quote, we will have these niggers voting Democrat for 200 years. That's a quote from President Johnson. And if that gets my video demonetized because of a, a quote of a president, so be it. Uh, I have, oh, there's some more 
PayPal's I got to read. If you want to send me a message, paypal.me slash paypal.me slash feed the bear. You can also get tickets to Pittsburgh, Richland, uh, Bellevue at hugepianist.com or um, my new hour special, How Dare Me, or my last hour special, Feed the Bear Shot in England. So if you want to check out any of that. But, uh, <clears throat> okay, so this is uh, the song 99 Problems by Jay-Z. This is a translation of the slang. I just thought this is funny. So the year's 94, the, the normal lyrics is, the year's 94, my trunk is raw, and the rear view mirror is the motherfucking law. I got two choices, y'all pull, pull over the car, bounce on the devil, put the metal to the floor. All right, this is what he's saying. The year is 94, and I'm driving with uncut drugs in the trunk of my car. In the rear view mirror, I can see the police. I've got two choices. I can pull over the car or run away from the police by pressing the gas metal hard. Now, I don't want to have the police chase me down the highway. Plus, I have some money. I can fight the case. So I pull over to the side of the road, and I heard, Young man, do you know why I'm stopping you? You're stopping me because I'm young and I'm black and my hat's real low. Do I look like a mind reader, sir? I don't know. Am I under arrest or should I guess some more? The police respond, Well, you're doing 55 miles per hour in a zone that is marked 54 miles per hour. Give me your license and registration and step out of the car. Are, are you carrying a weapon on you? I know a lot of black men do that. I'm not getting out of my car. My papers are legitimate. Well, do you mind if I look around the car a little while? Well, my glove compartment is locked and so is the trunk in the back. And I know my legal rights, so you're going to need a warrant to search for them. Aren't you a clever one? Are you a lawyer or something, says the police? Or somebody important or something? No, says Jay-Z, I haven't passed the test to be a lawyer, but I do know a little bit. Enough that you won't illegally search my car. Cop responds, well, see how smart you are when the drunk-smelling dog unit comes. Jay-Z then responds, I got 99 problems, but a woman isn't one of them. Play it. Now, once upon a time, not too long ago, a black man like myself had to use force with a woman, uh, with a woman of low repute. I don't mean a biological woman but a little man who didn't have any sense and tried to push me. I tried to ignore him, talk to the Lord, pray for him, but some fools just love to perform. You know the type, as loud as a motorbike, but wouldn't hurt anyone in a fight. <laughs> All right, so let's just break this down real quick. Look at what he believes he's owed. All right, so right the first line, he's admitting to, tra to, to felony drug trafficking. That's 30 years in prison. The year's 94, and I'm driving with uncut drugs in the trunk of my car. So, bear in mind this entire stop, the police are accurate. In my rearview mirror, I see the police. I've got two choices. I can pull over the car or run from the police. But bear in mind, only a crazy person would think that those are two choices. A, a real citizen that isn't a violent criminal would have one choice, which is to pull over the car. Because if you go on a high-speed chase, of course, everyone knows that that increases the likelihood of running over a child or, or just a civilian on the, on the street or killing somebody or the police will die. So, of course, you pull over. So, the man asks, why am you stopping me? And he says, because I'm young and black and my hat's low. Do I look like a minor? He's already upset about it, even though he's guilty of drug trafficking right now. So, the, the cop accurately pulled him over. Well, you're driving 55 and a 54. That's a lie. There are no 54s. So that doesn't even 
Are you carrying a weapon on you? I know many black men do that. And he's saying that is a shitty way of being like, oh, racist. Well, he admitted in this song that he does have a gun in his glove compartment and Easy e has an AK. Um, he talks constantly about committing violent crimes with his gun and his friends all having guns. So what the cop is currently saying is accurate. Now, the question is why is there so much protection around um, songs like this or this Starbucks stuff or any of that stuff and why a, a white man can be gunned down by police in an accidental situation and make no headline news, which I've had a friend that that really happened to. It's because this hellish world that this man is living in, because I have compassion for both people in this situation, for the police, obviously, and for the drug dealer, I also have compassion for. Because, because of the welfare state and because of these, um, these government programs, a lot of men have a really, really hard time making a living in the inner city. And that's one reason why they're forced to vote for Democrats, because they want government protection, because there's no jobs, because of the overregulation and just the way uh, the government works. They make uh, market economics and, and capitalism almost impossible. So he has drugs in his back in, in his trunk. Bear in mind, I am compassionate to um, the drug trade because I don't see drugs as anywhere near rape, pedophilia, murder, assault, theft. Those are all, as, as Molyneux says, uh, they all break the non-aggression principle, right? It's just obviously worse than someone who wants to put drugs in his body because alcohol is something I enjoy. So is caffeine. And those are technically drugs that I put in my body. So I don't want to be a hypocrite. So I have sympathy for that man. Now, is he a criminal? Yes. Does he brag about com committing crimes? Yes. And does the cop, is the cop responsible for the fact that we live in a, in a hypocritical society where um, a, a rapist can get one year in prison and a drug trafficker will get 30 years. No, that's not the cop's fault. The cop is merely enforcing the law. And this man is, is exhibiting behavior of a drug dealer. And so he pulls him over and, and he's asking to search his shit and wants to get the canine called. Okay, so the government and the state want to push a narrative where Jay-Z is the hero of this. When in fact he isn't. That cop did damn good police work. He pulled over a guy whose trunk is full of uncut heroin. And he's, he's being polite. He's trying to get him to allow him to search his car. And Jay-Z is also accurate in this because he's not allowing him to because he knows his rights, his Fourth Amendment rights. And I respect that. I don't think that that cop should have the right to just go through his car. I believe that if the trunk's locked and so is the glove compartment, you know, you're going to need a warrant for that. Aren't you smart as a tack? You're some, some kind of lawyer or something. I know my rights a little bit enough that you want to legally search my shit. Good for him. This is one of those situations where they're both right. But here's the thing. Uh, that, that resentment of calling them pigs and shit, right? That this cop's like a pig trying to mess with it. That this is not motivated by racism. If you're white in a, in a shitty black neighborhood in a nice car driving around, you're going to get pulled over even more than if you're black because the cops are going to assume that you're buying drugs. Ask Guck. <laughs> 
So it's, it's, it's more about statistical probability than it is the hatred of people with black skin. And I think the, the hatred of people with black skin is, is such a minor nothing factor in America right now. And we'll get to Seoul in a second. Uh, let me check in on the, on the chat. So I don't, I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense or if I'm just ranting. Oh, here's, we got, we got a couple more. This is from Chris. Owen, on where the companies advertise, are they allowed to make the choice or does YouTube or whatever platform make the decision for them? YouTube makes the decision for them with an algorithm that they won't share. It's like their secret sauce. So that's why YouTube is not the future. It's not. It's not because that, that secretive shit isn't good for businesses. Like, um, like Crowder has a great sponsorship with, uh, with uh, the Walter Guns uh, because it's a great mix it's perfect and prager you if i do the these shows with them i think one of their things is if they had a good um if they had somebody that wanted to work with us that was a good mix that would work work great i, I like look at uh, ben shapiro like a lot of his um sponsors it's perfect it's like um birch gold because a lot he probably has a lot of libertarians listen to him and a lot of people that understand that fiat currency is uh, not exactly stable. He also has his goddamn sheets. I don't know who, who that's for. But uh, MyPatriotSupply.com is great for, um, for Shapiro's audience. You know, like whoever's doing those ad sales are doing a really good job. I'm never having ads on here. That's why these PayPal's and Patreon stuff is so important. Because I never want to be nudged in any direction based on... A company, and I'll I'll um I'll pitch your company if I'm friends with you. Just don't pay me, because I don't want a conflict of interest whatsoever. But if I'm doing Prager you, I would I would with them because I would do a once a week thing that I would I would keep pretty clean out of respect for their audience, and um that's like their whole thing. But my shit, that's why I say I used to say crazy shit on Twitter because it was mine. And it's about being able to do what I want in my home or in my platform based on the constitutional protections I'm given. I don't even like the word nigger. I don't. It makes me like go like this. Eh. But it's the worst word. So that's the one I'm going to go at. And that's the one that's going to get me around the seven-headed hydra and you go right at the heart. Because I'm not going to argue about retarded anymore or girly or um, man up. Or any of these things, that, or, or, or rather not, I can drink Starbucks coffee or watch the NFL without some sort of political message. Okay, I'm done with all of that shit, and I'm going right at the heart. I'm going to never, ever say anything racist, but I'm going to use a word. But I don't want to be, I also don't want to be defined by it. I don't want to be like the South Park um, episode where it was Randy and he was the nigger guy. It's like, hey, there's the nigger guy. He's like, I'm more than just a nigger guy. I, uh, I don't want to be known as the guy who says nigger. That's like not fun. But I also was fighting a war very well on that. Like if you go to my show, and a lot of you guys have, that's one reason why you're loyal and good and you like and you support me is because a lot of you have been to my shows or seen my stand-up and know what my intentions in life are. And you also see the battle I'm fighting. And I get so many awesome emails and comments of support of like, man, you're fighting for all of us. Don't kneel. You're fighting a good fight. I felt like I was crazy. It's so good um, that people like you are doing this so that I know I'm not crazy. You know, people would be like, I, I know I'm not hateful. I've never thought these things about any of these people. 
But the fact I'm just being myself is getting me called all these crazy names. And you're not alone and you're not crazy because it used to be haves and have-nots. That's what the Marxists used. Now it's racist, bigot, homophobe. It's a way to divide people arbitrarily so that they fight and fight and fight and someone else can, um, can, can pull resources from uh, the community. I am immune to a lot of these forces because I don't care if I ever get rich. There's a, there's a level I like. Don't get me wrong. Patreon's making me feel good and safe. It's making Amy feel safe. It's making us feel like uh, we can carry on. You know what I'm saying? But I don't want to be worth $10 million. I would. I don't think there's anything wrong with wealth. But it isn't something that someone can use to, turn, like, to, to grind in me. Because I've been around so many rich people and I've seen the, 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 that unless you, you, you figure out your game plan, your blueprint, like really well, money can start operating like a, a golden prison. And that's, that's very true. I know I'm in like some of these, these, these chats and groups, like these, uh, the friends of, uh, Abe out in uh, LA where it's a bunch of, uh, Republicans and conservatives and libertarians that have to be closeted. And the amount of people that have money and power that aren't allowed to say what they think is mind-blowing. And I can't all day long. I, 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 I don't have to hold back shit. Why? Because I just sold all those steins. That'll get me through, that'll get me through a, at least a month. I got a fucking pyramid of steins. <laughs> so if you know what you need to survive and you know what you need to be comfortable and you know what you need to expand your business, those are all good levels. But after that, if it's just about excess and chasing a number, um, that's why so many of you guys are so cool. Like George, you know, you can tell George is doing well with his life. That's why he'll throw me 25 bucks here and there because he's like, hey, man, I'm not chasing this number all the time. And you're important to like be able to keep free speech going and have comedy going that I enjoy. And I don't need to sit on my fucking number like Smaug from fucking Lord of the Rings. Because that's an archetypal problem. You know? It's the same with me. That's why I help people out too. That's what tithing's all about. Is you have to put aside an amount that goes back into the community or else it sickens you. You know, everyone thinks that charity or uh, giving back to the community or helping a youngster out is for them. It's as much for you as it is them because it makes it so you don't fall in love with your own possessions. And I'm really ranting today. All right, I wrote the comment defending Eric on that article and spread the article link to as many people as I could. Buckle up, kiddies. The Bears are coming to Pittsburgh. Cheryl, you're the greatest. Thank you. Yeah, and Pittsburgh's going to be a blast. And my dad's coming, but he doesn't get the he doesn't understand that I'm not telling him the venue yet because my dad's a great dude, but he can blabber a little. And uh, <laughs> and he's like, "But where do I get tickets?" I'm like, "Dad, I'll just I'll get you the tickets." He's like, "But where's the, who do I call?" I'm like. I'll tell you where it is the day before. He's like, well, just where is it though? I'm like, it's like, I'll be in Pittsburgh. I'm like, dude, so it's, it's within a mile of where you'll be because he's uh he gets really proud of me, you know? And so it's not a bad thing, but he'll just start telling people. He's like, Oh, do you know where Owen's performing this week? And then before you know it, this day bracy asshole will have fucking his whole army of retards out. Hey, Ben, the Big Bear Archive now has 165 videos on it. 
which means I'm a whopping one-fourth of the way to uploading all your vids. In the meantime, I think it's fine to tell people to sub to the Owen Benjamin Clip channel while I'm getting to 100%. Hell yeah. Subscribe to the Owen Benjamin Clip channel. Subscribe to uh, Eric Nimmer. Subscribe to, let me look something up real quick. There's this dude who's been making the best of clips for me. And I'm going to start paying him. i got to figure out how much I can afford, though. But I want to plug his channel real quick. I don't know his channel. I, I mean, I know it. But I don't know it, know it. All right. So I believe it was this one that I plugged it. It is, uh, hang on one second. I got to make sure I plug this dude. And, and that's what I'm talking about. Like what this dude did. He just started making... He just started making uh, highlight videos for my YouTube. I didn't even ask him. He just started doing it. And that shit inspires me. That was like how I was with stand-up. It wasn't about getting paid. I just loved it. Oh, here we go. Ping Trip. So follow Ping Trip. It's P-I-N-G-T-R, the number one P. Uh, follow uh, John Neary. Follow uh, The Bear Jew. Follow Kyle Cavanaugh. Kiwi Bear. Uh, Base Texan, who runs the uh, Owen Benjamin Clips. You know, it's all about community strength. That's the whole thing. That's how you beat people. It's not about begging and pleading to politicians. You know, they don't care that much. They don't have, it, it's, it's, it's human motivation. It's like you have to start your own thing. And then from there, that's how you garner your own safety and your own strength. All right, much love. All right, this is from Erwin Benjamin, my, uh, my twin brother who uh, drinks soy. For, for if thou dost not partaketh of the soy to the point, there is no trace of masculinity left in thou. Then thou shalt suffer the dejection from thy soy fields. That's called the soy ron. That's genius. Dude, Erwin Benjamin makes me laugh super hard. The soy ron instead of the Quran. The soy ran. For if thou dost not partaketh of the soy to the point there is no trace of masculinity left in thou, then thou shalt suffer the dejection from thy soy fields. Yeah, they're trying to make everyone chug that soy until there's nothing left. Did I get Chris's? Oh, yeah. Now we got Samuel. Oh, I read that one. Thank you, by the way, Samuel. Thank you. Let me finish this. Uh, also, does it... It's awesome to see that you are always so cheery even when people censor you or twist your words or ban you. It's not cheery, I would say. I just get focused. I, I think what you're seeing is a lack of weakening. I don't get cheery. I get fucking pissed. But uh, like right now, I'm not like cheery. But I'm a naturally happy person, I think. Not happy. I'm a naturally passionate person. And when people come at me that I know are wrong... Uh, it doesn't break me because I know what I am and who I am, but it just gets me focused. I wouldn't say I'm exactly cheery. That sounds a little gay. Um, also, does a person eat honey or drink it? It's just a dispute I have with one of my friends. Distraction Bear. Thank you, Distraction Bear. Oh, and by the way, whoever, whoever's uploading my videos to BitChute, thank you. BitChute, I keep getting all these notifications that BitChute is getting my videos, and that's great. Because I am like running on empty as far as bandwidth for like what I can upload. Because after I get done with this stream, I'll spend another couple hours uploading the audio that Bayonet Bob gets me to, um, to iTunes. And then we got YouTube and then I answer emails and shit. And I'm still working on that, uh, the new 
it's time video. It's time to ban all things. That should be out soon. But um, thank you all so much for doing any any help you can with us is just massively cool. Uh, you eat honey. You drink soy milk and cum. Uh, yeah, you eat honey. You drink mead, though. Mead is a really good uh, alcoholic drink made from honey. What is your opinion on the philosophy of objectivism? Oh, man, that's a whole episode. I believe in objectivism to a point, but then I also believe in God, too. And I think that there's a contradiction there someplace. I have to really sit down and think about that for a long, long time. Uh, because I believe in objective reality. I believe in that and Randy and shit as far as uh, people are motivated by selfish interests a lot. But what's good, good for the goose is good for the gander. You see, that's how you take that and you make it sound less psychotic. But at the same time, I believe in a higher morality and a higher um, ideal, which I think goes against objectivism. But again, I um, am not an expert. So I truly, I, honestly, I don't even want to comment on it. Because I feel like I'm going to be, um, I'm going to sound ignorant. Because I haven't thought enough about objectivism. Angelia Santana, the best. Hey, Big Bear, late to the party today and totally off topic. But I was up last night thinking about the songs uh, for you to give the kazoo treatment. And I came up with, um, was Ronin by Taylor Swift, Silk Chance Bear. I don't know Ronin by Taylor Swift, but what about that one Taylor Swift song? Where's my kazoo? I think George got my kazoo. George, George is my dog, by the way. Given to me by Ice, by Iceman, by Ice Bear. Where that was my kazoo? Hmm. I have backup kazoos. That's weird. It was just sitting right there yesterday. Hmm. All right. What's a good Taylor Swift song? What about that one about uh, Shake It Off? That could be a good one. I'll have to look up Ronan. This is from Brian. Thanks, buddy. That's very generous of you, man. Hey, Owen, love you, buddy. I'm listening to your stream where you talk about being a taller. I find uh, that offensive. Please use the phrase person of height. Keep fighting. Any plans to come to Connecticut? Wish I could give more. Oh, dude. That's great. That was super fucking generous. Don't... All, this is what I've always told people. Don't make, don't give anything that stings at all. You know, feel like uh, I used to be a piano player in a bar. And so it's almost like a tip. Like, hey, man, play this. Like, like think of it like that. Don't think of it as like, because that that equals support long term. If you think of it as like something that, that you feel financially sacrifices at all your life, do not do it. Because I need you to be strong. I want you to have a great and strong and stable family. And if you run into financial problems, that doesn't help any of us. So always know that. I definitely want to come to Connecticut. Connecticut is like white. It's like Wakanda for white people. Uh, and that's a really funny person of height. Is a great. That's a great joke. Someone else added to the taller bit. Oh, it's like a. Uh, Back of the line. Man, someone on Patreon wrote to me a really funny tag to the taller bit. Or it could have been YouTube comments. But someone added to it in a fucking hilarious way. I just can't remember. But thanks, Brian. That's really funny. Taller. 
Well, I, what I find is colored person and person of color, it's the same thing. It's just reversed. It's little clues like that that you know this language police is all nonsense. Colored person versus person of color is the same thing. It's just like, so if you're dyslexic, you're now a racist. Hey, Owen, can I be uh, officially verified as blue boy bear? Like the Picasso painting. By the way, the blue boy in Russian means gay boy. I just want to let you know. Galu boy. Galu boy, galu boy, boy. That means blue boy, blue boy, we don't want to play with you. Uh, and blue boy, of course, means gay boy. So think it through. But then again, bears in the gay community are big, fat, hairy gay guys. So, But it's also 99% of, of bear things in life have nothing to do with that. So listen, you weigh whether or not you want to be blue boy based on the fun Russian nursery rhyme I just told you. But if, if the answer is yes, then welcome, blue boy. But you're going to get some smirks and some giggles from the Russians. Uh, it was great hanging with everyone after Brea. I wonder if the Marxists have been lunging for victory in the last few years because they can sense that the institutions that they dominate are dying and they can't win in an open forum. Example, the internet is killing TV and movies and universities might not last 20 years. I don't think universities are going to last 10 years. Anyway, even though they have power, they act like they're running scared. You're winning just by telling the truth and being hilarious and they know it. It's like when you tear out a man's tongue, you're not proving him a liar. You're only telling the world that you fear what he might have to say. Man, that just hit me hard. Whew. When you tear out a man's tongue, you are not proving him a liar. You're only telling the world that you fear what he might have to say. Wow. That's so true. I feel like what's happening with these people is they're always going to be in a state of panic. They act like prey. It's like a rabbit with a gun, you know? They, they have the instincts of, of prey, but the power of a predator, and that's a horrible combination. You want to have your leaders and your strong people to be calm like a predator. This is the, the irony of most predators is most predators won't attack you. Prey are more, are more terrifying to me. Like prey animals are way more paranoid and way more like, like there's sharks that eat once a year. And the rest of the time, they're literally just chilling out because they're like, yo, dude, it's all good. I don't need to kill right now. It's all good. But then you got these like shitty little minnows just like, oh shit, oh shit, right? You give those shitty little minnows power and and they're going to rule with that sense of paranoia versus the big the big shark or um you know like that that gay dude who hung out with those uh grizzly bears grizzly man he got eaten by the bears obviously but for like years they didn't eat him this fat gay guy who's like oh my god you're so great and uh watch grizzly man it's it's both hilarious and ter and really disturbing but He's with these grizzly bears, like hugging them and shit, like hanging out with these bears all the time. The bears are just like, what up, gay guy? We're sleeping. And he would, and, and only when the bears were um, starving, like when it was a certain type of the winter, did they finally eat the gay guy and they ate him. They ate every bit of him. But other than that, they didn't. If that was a prey animal, then he would have been killed immediately because they have this paranoia that everything's a threat. Everything's a threat. And honestly, that comes from women a lot more than men. Women are way more paranoid. They have way higher anxiety. They're more anxious. And it's because they're dealing with babies and toddlers a lot more. So 
Like Amy's so calm now that sometimes I'm like, I become like the chick. Like we've had arguments where I'm like, do you still like, you know, you still, uh, still like love me and everything. She's like, of course, love. Why? What's up? I'm like, well, you still like obsess about me a lot. And now you just seem so like content. And of course she's right with that. It's because she had this crazy energy when we were dating for years. And then once she got pregnant, had a kid, all that crazy energy went to where it should go naturally, which is a young child. And so now all that, like, don't put a fork in the, in the shit or like all this shit, like how women are always like overthinking everything. When you see it working in nature, it's beautiful. It's like all that shit that used to drive me crazy about Amy and every woman that's ever going to be alive finds its place. And it's the same with me. It's like all that, like, um, like my desire to complete tasks and provide and to make money for my family and to achieve things for my craft and to all that shit clicks into place so well when you have a kid. Because now I don't waste time. I don't waste unnecessary energy on shit because I have such a task. I have such a mountain to climb. I have such like a never ending boulder to push. And that makes me happy on a level. You know, it's not the type of happy that you get from like drugs or seeing your favorite band. It's the type of long term, slow release of energy that you want. It's like a good wood stove. You know, it's not this like crazy fire. It's just this this burning good piece of maple that, you know, will keep you he heated all night. And that's, um, that's why I think the leftists act the way they act because they have the female anxiety paranoia of, of the Chelsea handlers of the world. Like, oh, yeah, nah. and, uh, it's the, it's the childless woman anxiety. And they put that on us all the time. So I don't think that they know if they're winning or losing or anything. I think that their world is very small and very scary. And uh, they can't last. There's a bigger, th the caliphate Islamists are a much bigger threat to us than, than leftism. But leftism is letting that in because that caliphate shit can actually uh, work. It's just a horrifying world. Like they have the masculinity and the force and the um, brutality to actually take over civilizations. These leftists, they'll last for a few decades, but you can't run a company as a fucking scared rabbit with a slingshot. <laughs> no, but these caliphate dudes, that's the thing. We don't want to let in that in our country because they can actually set up shop for hundreds and hundreds of years and kill dissidents and kill people. You know, the left will like do this public shaming. That's what women do. You know, this whole like whisper campaign of like, did you hear what they said? And did you men now act like that about me in LA, like Los Angeles comic males are doing this whole, like, well, Owen, Owen's a racist, homophobe bigot. Did you hear he said the N word on Twitter? It's like, yeah, I call Justin Trudeau a nigger and that's funny. And you know it, and you wouldn't say it to my face because you know, saying it out loud would make you laugh. Because I would say, show me one black guy I've called that. And they wouldn't know. They would have no idea. Because I never do. I called Justin Trudeau a nigger. I called myself one before. The only black man I've ever called that was one man who stole my bike when I was nine. I feel like I have the right. I hope that answers your question.
All right, that was from um, that was from Jonathan, the blue boy, cowboy. This is from Nicholas. Did you watch Ready Player One? On the surface, it addresses the chaos of escapist collectivism, but ultimately the protagonist must break out of the illusion of comfort and appreciate imperfect individual virtue. I haven't watched it, but I'll check that out. That sounds awesome. That's the hero's journey. The individual against the corrupt state. That's why as much as I love the Hunger Games books, it has too much of that feminine postmodernist bullshit in it. Like Gladiator. He dies, but he wins. Braveheart, he dies, but he wins because he, he sets his people free through his own sacrifice. Uh, Hunger Games, everybody at the end is just has PTSD and no one's good or bad and everyone's like, what's the whole point of any of this? That's how fucking women think sometimes. Uh, Dana, could you please play Bitches Ain't Shit by Ben Folds or Bad News Bear dedicated to the Pittsburgh Socialist? I don't know it by Ben Folds. I can play... Uh, I'll just do my own version. I know. Where, where's that Me Too moment? <laughs> Bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks To lick all these nuts and suck the dicks Or what if it's... Bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks To lick all these nuts and suck on the dicks Bitches ain't shit Bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks To lick all these nuts and to suck on the dicks Suck on the dicks, suck on the dicks Bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks To suck on the dicks Bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks To lick all these nuts and to suck on my dicks I mean just listen to what they're saying Bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks to lick. They're literally saying that women are nothing more than prostitutes to suck my dick. Where's the Me Too moment? It'll never come because there's something called the soft bigotry of low expectations where people, the left truly sees black people as animals. All right. Hi, Owen. It's Rich, Badish Canyon. Oh, Badish Bear. I need a favor. Um, I would like to send you up a rifle. Possibly two if Wally can't share for the kids. Can you please ask and get info for uh, upstate New York FFL federally licensed firearm dealer and hopefully one in New Jersey, stupid ass laws, but all kids should have a 22 and a and have a new Ruger sitting here with uh, gadgetry. I'll write this down. This is awesome, dude. Yeah, I love a, tw- a good 22 is a great gun. It's simple, you know? Yeah, that'd be awesome, buddy. I'll uh, I'll look at this after, but that would be great. Yeah, someone in, in Pennsylvania was uh, trying to make me an AR-15 as a gift. He was making me an AR-15, and then he realized he couldn't send it to New York because it had a detachable magazine. New York, you can't have an AR with a detachable magazine. And it can only hold 10 rounds, and it's like, it's just shitty. And I don't see what the point is. There's no point in that. The, the whole... Well, I do know the point. The point is it puts the onus of responsibility on um, the object and not the person. And that's necessary when you're involved in a deep state welfare state situation that we're in of a never-ending welfare, never-ending war, just so that a small group of people can uh, get the most amount of resources from a population. And I'm not even a full-blown, I'm not an anarchist. I consider myself conservative slash libertarian. 
based on, you know, I'm mostly conservative, but there's certain topics I'm libertarian on, like uh, drugs. And that isn't because I want to do drugs. I don't even like smoking weed. I'll smoke weed twice a year, maybe, if I'm with Rogan or I don't even know. If I'm like in some sort of like natural hot springs. I can't even think of an example. Um, I never do cocaine. I've never done a narc. I've never done heroin in my life. I've never done morphine in my life. I've never been into pills. I did mushrooms twice. I found it interesting, but I was like 17, 18. I, when I say this about drugs, it's not about me trying to convince people that the morality of drugs, I think that a lot of these things are not good for people, but my whole point is it's not up to me to make that decision for you. And that's why I have a libertarian view on, dr- on drugs. Um, I'm against prostitution, but I have a libertarian view on prostitution. And I would never be with a hooker. I don't think, I think any man that would is pathetic. I think it's expo- exploitative. But at the same time, it's like I don't see the line between a massage and a hand job. And I think that the more things are illegal, the more you, you have organized crime bringing in like shipments of women and stuff. Because in these organized crime situations, that's when things flourish. It's the same reason I'm pro-life pro, uh, all the way to conception. It's not that I don't want to be able to say that five weeks you can have an abortion because that will make me way more socially acceptable by people. I don't have an argument for it. I, like once, once you can start making out the little, little guy and there's a heartbeat early, you know, at that point, hands off, that's life. But that first fertilized little clump of cells, I'm just being straight up honest. I don't feel like that's, I just don't see life when I see that. But I have no argument for why the heartbeat is life, but the clump of cells isn't life. So therefore I'm pro-life from conception. And trust me, it's not an easy position to hold, especially in entertainment. People literally scream in my face that I hate women because I say that. But it's the same as I feel about prostitution and um, drugs. I think that with a strong family, you don't even engage in that shit, you know, with a not with the right with a strong American family and a good moral backbone. You don't have any desire to do some of this shit. And uh, it's, it's why I'm pro guns for everybody, too. It's like because you can't make an argument that the governor can get armed security. OK, what about a state senator? What about a mayor? What about an alderman? What about an elected dog catcher? At what point? Okay, now compare that to um, a businessman who has more eyes on him than the state official. Who gets the, the armed security guards? Who gets to be an armed security guard? You see, once you go down these roads of logic and you can't differentiate people, like why does Meryl Streep get armed security and not my kid at a school? Because she just plays make-believe. For a living. And my child is the, the definition of defenseless. And that's why I, um, there's a few topics that I am libertarian on, but the rest I would consider myself conservative on. But I still think that the federal government is so out of control. I see why Molyneux and Dave Smith and some of these guys are against all government because I see how our country started as the smallest government in the world. Our four, founding fathers. Conservatism is a radical idea that's amazing. 
It's uh, personal accountability in a small government, right? And now it's the biggest government in the world with the most amount of prisoners, the, high, the most amount of taxes, the most amount of spending, the, mo- the biggest military. So how do we not let that happen? I don't think no government is the, is the answer because I think after two people, you start taking a vote. And don't get me wrong, I know that there's a, something that Manu said that I thought was interesting. If you vote on something to, to steal from Peter to pay Paul, you know, like that's why they're importing these third world people is so that they can keep voting against our own interests. Um, there's some serious flaws with a republic and a democracy. Because there's like when, when the mob wants something that, that isn't fair and won't allow us to continue as a nation properly, it's really bad. But at the same time, it's like when you're ordering a pizza and you start disagreeing on toppings, a, a very tiny little wisp of a government starts forming. And I can just see that happening. I think there's certain populations that would potentially be capable of anarcho-capitalism, but I think it's almost like it has some of the same Achilles heels as socialism, except it's for smart people who have are good people. Like they mean a lot better. Socialism is to take from those who achieve and to take from those who are productive at the end of a gun and to distribute how you see fit to these needy hordes of fucking dickheads. Anarcho-capitalism is a similar thing, except it's like, it's the honorable version of that. It's let everybody, like, let don't have a government oppress anyone and allow people to flourish more like they did in the 19th century. There's the greatest amount of increase in wealth in the world because of the small amount of government and the increase of um, market economics. This is all very complicated stuff, man. That's the thing, is I don't know, it's almost like matter. Like when you get close to touching matter, and when you are studying subatomic particles, you start not seeing lines. Like you don't really know the line. I'm not saying it's postmodern or any of that bullshit. I'm not saying that like nothing matters and it is what you interpret. No. It's just the finer tuned you get, and the more you're looking for a right answer, the more there's this gray range where you can't really... That's where God comes in, straight up. It's like, I don't have the hardware to answer some of these questions, like truly. And if I don't, I suspect a lot of others don't as well. And so, um, yeah, all right. Michelle, hey, Big Bear, for your contact lens is fun. Never kneel. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I need a bunch more contacts. Here's Chad. Hey, Owen, Chad from Cambodia. Twitter sucks without you. Do you miss it even a little bit? Yes, I do. And I will play you a quick clip it's pretty funny about me missing it <laughs> and then we're going to talk about the great Tom soul all right where is the stupid clip of me missing Twitter? Let, me, uh, let me just cue this up for you guys this is a fun episode i feel pretty passionate today i'm not gonna lie there's twitter here you go chad this is exactly how i feel about it I don't miss it, miss it. It's not like, I know it's not the best thing, but I I miss like the camaraderie of the bears and shit. We still are getting that. I think um, Periscope will be good for that. I just miss chatting with a lot of you guys. Uh, here we go. This is how I feel, Chad. 
I'm uh, thanks for. I, it's so cool to see how many people came out tonight. Seeing as uh, uh, I'm banned from Twitter, so I don't know how you could even find me. <laughs> yeah, I have been banned. Twitter, Twitter was like ISIS, pedophiles. Great, great retweets. Yes, uh, hilarious comedian. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and there's over a tweet I had about David Hogg. You guys know this David Hogg character, rolling blade around, saving the world. Yeah, he uh, he's trying to uh, ban guns, and I just tweeted that uh, if you don't have pubes, you can't tell grown men how to live their lives. That's what I got banned for. I'm just like, are you talking about a 17-year-old's pubes? I'm like, he doesn't have them, so no. It's like, wow, is that bad? So stupid. Another thing happened to me, uh, it was during the Oscars. I, I tweeted out, every time they do a white joke, I'm doing a black joke. And then I just did. And, uh, and people were like, that's so racist. I'm like, that's the point. Do you see my black mirror representation of you? And they're like, no, we're going to use this against you. I'm like, yeah, fuck you, Jack. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Twitter's noise. You know, you go on there and... Uh, I miss it, guys. I miss it a little bit. All right, so that's how I feel, Chad. It's it's noise and they're dicks. But, yeah, I miss the uh, the idea of fights. I miss being able to be in, uh, you know, in the arena with you guys. It was fun. I felt like I could protect you guys, too, in a sense. <laughs> but uh, long term, it's definitely good. It's gone for me. I don't know. All right, where was I? We got these notes. Why does war exist was going to be the theme. I still think that that's there. I think people fight wars not over what they hate, but what they love and what they're trying to protect. And I think a lot of it starts happening when there's this unstoppable resentment towards other people. And there really is starting to become this thing with hatred of white people. And it's really bad. You know, this whole like, uh, oh, you're white tears, you're what? It's like, dude, that's bad. You can't hold a race accountable for sins that they didn't commit. You know, like that's that's the main joke of the bike song. The whole joke. Oh, man, my glasses are so gnarly. They're so tilted. But it's like a black guy stole my bike in 1989. That is not on the response. It's not on the shoulders of my friend Eric. He didn't steal my bike. I am not owed bike reparations. That's between me and one other man, a man who stole my bike. And you could just, this, okay, this is a good segue into Thomas Sowell. You can just as easily, he's writing this new book called, oh man, I forgot the title of it already. I know I wrote it down. What do my phone? It's called, um, it's like Discrimination and Disparities or something, Disparities. But that's not it. It's called, oh, it is. Discrimination and Disparities by Thomas Sowell. All right. So this is the thing about any mathematician. That's why I think um, I'm friends with mathematicians and scientists and stuff, regardless of political affiliation. Like Eric Weinstein called me last week. We had this awesome like hour chat. And uh, I think it's a certain way of seeing the world where it's it, it's this world of math. And so much of this shit is is nonsense. It's like, Okay, they want to talk about discrimination disparities. I'm only on the second chapter right now, but there's a few things I wrote down that I want you guys to understand. 
there's first there, the order in which you're born will discriminate against you more than your race. Like it's still hard to even prove racial discrimination. Okay, the first child, there was a study in England. The first child is has a 20 uh firstborn or only child has a 22% chance of going to college. Uh by the 10th child it's 3%. Um, of the 29 astronauts who've been to the moon, 22 were the first or only child. Uh, I, twins have a lower than average IQ. And that isn't true if one is stillborn. So it's not about resources going towards two children in the womb. It has to do with uh, parental attention. And a lot of that uh, has to do with if you're an only child or a second born. By the, bear in mind, I'm a second born. So I'm not... I'm not um, reaping these benefits like some of you are assholes but uh there there's a lot more uh wealth and accomplishment in firstborns than there is third fourth fifth born of course there's always uh, uh there's always um exceptions tons of them but the 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 math is beyond correlated another thing is um the amount of words spoken to a child from their parent uh, for a certain class, I can't remember. I just wrote these notes down, but 2,100 words per day from, uh, parents with a stay at home mother and a professional, I don't know, something like that. And then they, they studied, um, welfare, inner city welfare, regardless of race is 600 words per day. And, uh, and the, and the, the correlation between that and success and one, um, one showing of the culture shift. This is why I have no patience for a lot of the race bullshit because um, cultural shifts in populations are just mind blowing. And you see that in Scotland, in 18th century Scotland. In 14th century Scotland, they were like very, very, very low achieving people. Uh, in 14th century Scotland, there was zero Scottish lords who could read or write. None, ever. Then the 18th century, the Protestants felt like it was important to read the Bible yourself and have your own connection to God. And immediately, James Watt, Hume, Adam Smith, Walter Scott, John Stuart Mill, uh, it, it became this flourishing of culture and success. And also they were uh, the Highlands versus the Lowlands. The Highlands were learning English over their native language of Gaelic, and it, it opened them up to the world, and they just started crushing. And the same thing happened in Japan in the 19th century. When Matthew, Matthew Perry showed the nation of Japan its first train in 1853, they'd never seen a train. And Japan then became the first, Japan invented the bullet train, the fastest train in the world before everybody else. So, and I'm now learning about all the factors that went into it. And a lot of it has to do with your family structure. One of the reasons that I, I am so open about my family and the love for I have for my wife and, and videos and pictures of my amazing son and the beauty of my wife pregnant and all the, like, I want to show this because this is how we fight this. Like when you have a strong family, the, the number one predictor of success in life is if your parents are married. Number one, right? If you get married and if you finish high school, uh, you're pretty much going to be okay. You know? 
And so all this pushing of race and sex and um, sexual identity and all this bullshit, it's a way to distract people from actually solving problems. 990 total deaths from police in 2014. In the same year, there's 250,000 people who died of medical errors. That's jarring. I mean, banning assault weapons, quote unquote, this non-existent nonsense. Corn syrup kills way more people, guys. Way more people. They don't give a shit about life. They care about dismantling. Look at what Scotland did when they started reading. And what book did they read? A book that set free the individual. The Holy Bible. The Christian Bible. The Christian Bible lays out the blueprint. The Old Testament is how to survive under a vengeful God. And God in that environment is vengeful. Leviticus is still right here in our world if we forget the Sermon on the Mount. You know what I'm saying? That's the chaos of nature. That's the brutality of starting a civilization out of dirt. The Old Testament is a valid read. And the way they treat women and homosexuals, yeah, that'll happen again. There's places in this world right now that are just like that. And that can come back at any point. When you start, when you ignore individual sovereignty, you know, morals, shared goals, shared purpose, uh, non-aggression principles, shit like that. When you ignore that, you descend into a world where force is king. Force, not power, not uh, consent. And that's why the left is so rapey. Because they don't give a shit about consent. It's about socialism is based on um, the taking of goods through force and the redistribution based on a small oligarch of people that decide what's best for you. 125,000 people chose to follow me on Twitter. Twitter said, no, we know what's better for you. Follow these CNN guys. They're liars. Follow ISIS. Follow these, these proud pedophiles. And so it's important to read Thomas Sowell. It's important to, to understand some of these concepts because they're trying to undercut your world. And for those of us with children, which I highly recommend having, fight for them. Because right now people are protesting Starbucks because two men were briefly handcuffed and let free based on things that we don't fully understand. So now all of Starbucks has to go, 8,000 Starbucks have to take off a day and study all this shit. You realize that there's, there's black employees that won't make money that day? Like Eric Nimmer, my opener, who happens to be black. He'd be my opener if he was white. He's just really smart, really funny, really loyal, really good guy, right? When these people keep trying to ban me from shows, Eric doesn't get paid. You know, the, the, the people who work at the venues don't get paid. The, some of them, I'm sure, are minorities. Like, that's not the love of black people. That's the hatred of white people. And I got a clip that I'll show you guys later. The Friday Late Show in Brea, there was a black guy in the front row who was straight up racist. And he laughed because he said this is a white person show. And one of my, um, my guys who's uh, Mexican, this great dude, plumber. We talked about this new shit all, all night after. We had beers all night. It was called like Pax or some shit. Um, similar background as the other dude. In fact, the other dude was wearing a lot of blue and uh, I don't think he was a Dodger fan. So that, that made me not get too combative, but, and his buddy was having a blast. That's another reason why I didn't want to get too Adam is because his buddy was this hilarious Mexican dude. And you could tell they're both like capable of, you know, doing some shit, but me and that dude are having a blast. And the black dude's looking pissed the whole show. And he told this other dude after my buddy, the plumber, Mexican plumber, 
is he was like, those were white people jokes. And the Mexican dude was like, buddy, he's one of my favorite comics and I'm from probably a similar neighborhood as you. And he's not doing white people jokes. I think you're like, what's up, man? He was like, man, those are white people jokes. And that's racism. That's someone who won't listen to a white person, you know? And it's, uh, and that's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. And that shit happens. And that guy is not going to flourish as much as he could if he didn't have that, that stereotype, that, that weakness. Because racism is a weakness. You can be prejudiced. You can be, um, you know, like, like the fact I assume that Japanese people play either the piano or the violin. That's a prejudice. That's called a prejudgment. A negative prejudice is saying that I wouldn't allow an Asian Uber driver to drive me. I know that sounds comedic, but that's, there's people probably that stupid in the world. So that's like a negative prejudice. A positive prejudice or just like a prejudice would be I assume a woman wants to get married at some point. Now, are there lesbians? Are there women that never want to get married because they had messed up childhoods? Yeah. But that assumption is what prejudice simply means prejudgment. And so the fact that this dude prejudged me as a white comedian, and I wasn't even talking about my bike. <laughs> it was like my, the jokes were just funny. It was, it was very weird. And so... Um, and the crowd was about to turn on him bad. And I was trying to tell the crowd, like, just lay off this dude. Because sometimes people are just in a bad spot. And he was perceiving the world as against him. And it, we were not going to have a rational discussion. Here's the thing. As Jordan Peterson said, don't apologize to a crowd, right? But sometimes I own, I own the crowd. When I say own, I don't mean, you know, just for that moment, for an hour, I own the crowd. The crowd looks at me as a leader. I can make the crowd do shit. Don't set the crowd free against someone either. It's a big responsibility of leaders. Big. If you are a leader in your life or you want to be a leader, there's something very important you have to know that that crowd, set, that crowd gives up a little piece of themselves because they trust you. Do not set them on someone because then they may make a mistake that, they, that they'll have to live with or that they will feel guilt about or it'll make you all look stupid. Don't set... like. Trust is a very important thing. And when someone gives you trust, don't abuse it. You know? All right, what else am I reading about? Ryan from, uh, and then I'll come back to the PayPal ones. Ryan from uh, Patreon says, how hard to grab your ankles at, oh, it's hard, you got to grab your ankles at tax time. I can't imagine how difficult it would be for someone like you in New York to have so many income streams and pay the rapist. I mean, Uncle Sam, fairly and least painfully. Well, that's one reason why I reinvest in my shit. Like I bought this piano and I got a new computer and mics and uh, um, like I, I'll, I'll fly places to do podcasts and I'll, um, I'll pay for hotel rooms for people and stuff like that and, and, and food and booze and everything because that all comes off my gross and I try to bring that net as far down as I can because I don't want to be raped by Uncle Sam and I'd rather have it go back into the community and into the quality of what I do versus that. But yeah. I, the tax season this year was nutty, you know, but I try to set it up as, as best as possible where I, I don't pay too much, but yeah, I, New York state, New York and California, the only two states that didn't benefit from, uh, Trump's tax cut, but that's all right. I'm still glad he did it. Oh, uh, Nick wanted to hear about Sal. I'm glad I'm talking about that. Oh, Ashley wants me to break down Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, I'll do that at the end for sure. 
Daniel says, heroes, mentors, idols, whatever label applies and how views change. The mistake of judging the past through today's lens with an erosion of both understanding and our history. 100%. It's like you can't judge the past by today's lens. Imagine the past judging today by the past lens. You know, like imagine like a, a man from 1750 looking at any one of us. Even the most manly one of you dudes are just useless compared to, a, you know, a fr- like a Canadian trapper, you know, or somebody on the, on the frontier. It's like, oh, you can't make your own roof and then get your own food and then give birth to your own babies. Actually, to be honest, I bet some of you guys actually can. I know. I know some people that follow me are legitimately like capable of that stuff, but it's interesting what we give up for what we think we get. Like we give up all our skills, all our grit for what? The ability to, to judge the past. It's crazy. Another mama bear. Uh, the strange weather and animal behavior around the world uh, and what your plan is when shit hits a fan. Do you got a bunker? Well, I don't, I don't know about the animal behavior. That is, that's so out of my realm. I I have no idea, but uh, my plan, I just want to live in a place where I can get fresh water, food, and have a strong community. I think the shit's going to hit the fan slowly, but steadily. I think it's going to be a slow wreck that just keeps mangling and mangling. That's why figure out what you believe and, and know it, because it's going to be a time when, when comedians become for censorship. I mean, we're seeing it right now. Comics for censorship is like rabbits for wolves. It's an upside down, backwards way of living. That's like a, 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 a pacifist special ops guy. Like SEAL Team pacifism. It's that crazy. Any comedian that wants to limit words or punish words is by definition self-hating and an upside down world. So it's already happening because 95% of comedians are now pro-censorship. A lot of people that I consider my friends have, have disowned me because of my use of words these are people that I thought I'd be sailing on my pirate ship with forever, but fuck it. Bayonet Bob wanted to talk about the welfare state black vote plantations. I, I, I made sure I did that, Bayonet Bob. The power of self-control when enemies are at the door from Josh. Yeah, there's a difference between um, restraint and cowardice. And that's something to really think about and know the difference. That cowardice is you're too scared to act. That's bad. But self-restraint is you can act, but you don't choose to because it's not strategically beneficial to anybody. I was hanging with this bear who drove up from um, San Diego. He's currently in the Marines. We're hanging all night on Friday night. It was a blast. This dude, his, his arm could go like backwards. It was hilarious. This dude was a sweetheart. And so we hung to like at least two in the morning. Just me and a small group of bears just uh, chatting. And he was like, at what point do you act? And, and he was like, I, I totally got what he was saying. He was like, where do you plant the flag? Like, at what point do you go this way? Like, how you backpedal, you backpedal. At what point do you do that? And, uh, and one of my other buddies was, didn't understand what he was saying, I don't think, because he was like, well, we act right now. And he's like, no, no, no. Like, I am in the world of violence. He's like, I lead men. I think he was uh, an officer. I think he had, like, guys. And he's like, at what point do you send it, basically? And that's a good question. It really is a good question. It's something that people should think about before anything really happens in their life because you don't want to act in a state of fear. There's a great book by Malcolm Gladwell called Blink, and it's about 
uh, decisions that happen in a moment. And that happens with police. Police, 99% of police problems have nothing to do with inherent racism or bigotry or hate. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that cops will inherently make mistakes in high-risk situations and um, a lack of training in certain, uh, in certain departments. New York State troopers are so trained that it's unbelievable. Like there's certain departments that are like, you can just feel that they, are, they know what they're doing. And there's other cops. There's been cops that have come to our door in LA when we're having parties that have stayed and had beers. Don't get me wrong, legendary move. But that's the dude that you don't really trust with like a minute to a moment to moment decision when someone in a meth lab draws a gun. Because uh, in that book, Gladwell talks about uh, this one shooting in New York City. And this is why I like Gladwell, because he kind of comes off a little bit like a lefty, but he's super fair. Like he will uh, go with the numbers like he's against affirmative action, for example. And like he has this whole podcast called uh, Revisionist History that's fascinating. He talks about all the problems that happened with integration and how the government messed it up. And a lot of the best teachers got fired because they weren't black. And like he goes through all this shit. But anyway, he was talking about um, this one shooting in New York City with a cop. And the cop swore he saw a gun and it wasn't. And, And they went through all these studies and stuff where in a state of arousal, it's called arousal, where your heart rate's racing and you f- feel fear, um, you see threats where they don't exist. And you want to be able to have your shit figured out before that feeling happens. It's like, all, the reason I know this, I really do know this very well, even though I've never been in war and I'm not a cop, because of stand-up. Being in front of a thousand people is terrifying, right? So if you have to tell jokes, if you don't have it figured out, if you don't have your muscle memory down, Especially in the beginning. Now I don't feel shit. Now I'm basically special ops of words. But if you don't have it figured out, if you don't, if you, if you over trust yourself, like you, you're like, no, I'll remember. You won't. Your, your, your mind goes completely blank and you, you get scared and you rush. You talk too fast. Now sometimes I talk too fast because I want to get to more, too many jokes in an hour. But uh, you think the crowd is doing something they're not. Like a heckler is just being funny or drunk and you perceive it as like a big threat and you overreact to that person and then the rest of the crowd thinks you're a dick. You know, that's straight out of police training. And so you have to get it to when you go on stage, your heart rate doesn't go up. And once you're there, you can really be a comedian because, and just know that the first hundred times you're going to be terrified. And uh, in that state, I rewatch game tape. You know, I rewatch... Um, that's why I started doing Why Didn't They Laugh originally. You can subscribe on iTunes. But uh, is is so that I could rewatch what I would do in those moments from a sane and calm point of view and figure out what would be a better route. And that's what the police face. That's what the military faces. You know, I know I know vets that have killed kids by accident, and they have to they have to deal with that the rest of their life. And they know that they were scared. They know that it was the right move given the situation. But at the same time, you saw a kid die from your, your gun. These are things that human beings have a really hard time dealing with. <clears throat> All right. Anyway, it was uh, House of Mirrors. Oh, that's it. The taller bit was the House of Mirrors. Also, I hate how PayPal has my real name. I am Biggles Bear, by the way, or just Ron- Ronnie's. All right. Thank you, Biggles Bear.
Yeah, where it's uh, instead of going on the roller coaster, they sent me to uh, the Hall of Mirrors because that's where the tallers belong. Yeah, I'll, I'll rework that, but that's really funny, dude. All right, Brian, read this first. Uh, this is Capitalist Bear, a.k.a. Brian. I wanted to make an art gallery website. If you think this is a good idea, tell the bears to email their art to unbearablewoods at gmail. Everybody who does art, everybody tell Artling and uh, Kiwi Bear and um, our, our Dutch Buddhist Japanese. <laughs> I love that dude. It's fucking hilarious. Tell everybody, um, there's another bear that recently did something unbelievable. Wobbly Bear. Send all your art to Unbearable Woods, U-N-B-E-A-R-A-B-L-E-W-O-O-D-S at gmail.com. And I will put it up on the site coming soon. I go to DeVry University for web design and want to practice uh, while I go to school. That's amazing, Brian. That'd be amazing if you did that. Because we want to be able to add buttons where people can buy it directly from the artist too, like a print. Um... So we'll have the artists set up whatever they want to do, however they want to handle that. And uh, yeah, because some of these people will make stuff that I'll see comments like, where do I get this print? And I'm not going to sell someone else's art and profit off it. It's kind of a dick move. Maybe maybe a couple bucks after shows. Maybe. But um, I want them to be able to prosper from it. So Brian, that's awesome. So artists, unbearablewoods at gmail.com. And, and a lot of you guys have no interest in profit and just want to show it. Just send him your, um, your art, whatever it is, and describe it, what it means to you, what you did when you wrote it, you know, what your bear name is. Because art is unstoppable. That's why socialism hates art, because you can't deny it. Socialism can't exist within art, within a world with free art. That's why Soviet art is such a joke except for Shostakovich and a few other legends. Michael, hey, Big Bear, just want to thank you for everything you do. I'm debating driving four hours to the Pittsburgh show to catch the Big Bear live. Keep up the good fight, brother. Did you see Artling's new painting of David Frog? Yeah, hilarious. P.S. I work at Walgreens and have actually had an OTPHJ in a Walgreens. Rx Bear, that's amazing. I bet that never happened at a CVS. Only at the Greens, baby. Dude, come to the Pittsburgh show. Four hours is nothing. I'm driving 18. Nine there, nine back, baby, with a car full of bears. Gucks coming. Um, uh, either I'm crazy, that uh, my buddy on Twitter, who I, whenever you see me shooting guns and videos, I'm usually with him. He's coming. My boy Joe shot my specials coming. Uh, it's going to be sick. Joseph, hi, Owen. Knox Bear here. The wife and I. We'll be driving from Rhode Island to see you in Pittsburgh. Looking forward to meeting you and Eric. Oh, dude, Eric's wicked pumped. It's going to be a blast. Liam, we voted on buying a pizza while you were in the bathroom. It's all sardines and pineapple. And you owe us $20. Pay up or we're locking you in the closet. Democracy. It's a perfect metaphor, bud. That's a perfect metaphor as to why... Oh, that was from Refield Performance. That's a perfect metaphor as to why government happens and why government sucks at the same time. Pretty long note, so strap in. This is from Liam. Hey, Owen, guys like you and Peterson have inspired me to get into clinical psychology and university in pursuit of truth. That red pill got me addicted, yo. One of the things I've been very interested in researching in psychology is how comedians deliver their points in order to not only make the audience laugh, but to get a point across and informing people on important points without coming across as hateful, bigoted. Uh, like Chris Rock's joke, black people versus nigger joke, and why women are crazy joke. 
For example, I've noticed that Bill Burr likes to be as specific as possible in bringing descriptions and situations in order to bring to light. This is great, by the way, Liam. I'm enjoying this. In order to bring to light the ridiculousness, uh, the ridiculous irony of a given situation. Example, everyone murdering each other on Black Friday in order to purchase snack-sized mint chocolate chip cookies. Good observation, bud. I know you may be one of the uh, one to not reveal your secrets. Are you kidding? I'm I'm an open book, man. I'll reveal anything because they're not secrets. That's what makes them maybe secrets. But what important factor in joke writing do you emphasize in order to not only bring up laughs, but to get people to open their minds and emphasize on certain issues? Thanks for the inspiration. Most important thing is have it grounded in reality. An uncomfortable truth, a truth that a lot of people don't want to address. Um, and then make it fun, make it, I don't know, man, it, it, I'd love to talk to you more about that. Cause there's so many, there's so many things in that. There's so many things in that, but, um, I think you're really onto something. This is the thing I was about to say something halfway through, but I now think you're accurate. At first I was going to say, it's important for a comedian to not have a point. Like I'm, I'm a little, um, sick of comedians having a damn point where it's uh rather you're Amy Schumer talking about wage inequality or Stephen Colbert talking about Trump nonstop. But uh, where it's like you, you're going into it, trying to convince the crowd something and you use comedy to do it, I think is a shitty move. But I think when you're trying to reveal reality or at least what you believe to be true to the crowd, you can do it with comedy. But it can't be persuasion based on what you want. It has to be what is. And uh, I was periscoping about it last night. It's almost, I think the closest thing to a comedian is like a reverend or a pastor or a minister. Except it's a half beat off. It's the jazz version. It's the, it's the blues version of that. Because you're, you're coming from a place of truth. But your desired outcome is different. You know, you're not looking for the amens. You're looking for the laughs and you can, and you can do it from the same place of truth. It's just a different rhythm. It's a different, yeah. It's like what, what Bill Bird does is he takes the absurd and he takes something horrifying and he, and he, and he gets really specific. So that way, cause sometimes these big concepts can, can be a lot more threatening than something very specific. Like someone says police brutality. You just go, Oh, but if someone says, one time a cop flicked me in the dick with one of his little baton things. You see how it just became funny? Or when it's like, a cop once wouldn't give me my own sandwich because I was handcuffed in my own car and I had a fish sandwich sitting in the front seat that I had just got and I knew it was about to start smelling bad. And all he had to do is just feed me the fish, man. Just feed the fish. And I'm getting hungry, dude. So I started getting like a little dizzy. You know, like shit like that will put a... We'll put a, a, a human twist on something that has been overly, when the bell's been overly rung and, um, and people just react viscerally to like a word, uh, that's what you do. It's kind of like the, the pound me too thing. For me, it, it requires a lot of time where I, I do the whole, like I go to the, the woman's parade and I start handing out condoms. And at that point, people are just a little like, what? Like I'm giving condoms out. And then I really stay in that world. I make them feel it where I'm like, here's a condom. And I, and, I, and I make sure the audience knows it isn't sexual from me. It's not like we're going to have sex. It's about, it's about I, I, I truly want them to be safe where I'm like, here, use this condom. 
listen, I don't approve of what you're doing, you know, and I'm sure your dad isn't, won't approve or your future husband, but it, it's your choice. It's your life. And I know you're out here trying to have sex with a stranger. It's your choice, but just be safe. And that isn't getting a laugh yet, but it's a little like you're in that world where I'm in a woman's rights parade handing out condoms. And you're like, why? And then I'm like, because I know what you're up to. I know. Like, don't hide it from me. I've seen you on Twitter. And then I say the pound me too movement. And the first time I say it, the crowd doesn't really get the joke quite yet. You know, the pound me too movement. It's like pound me too. I'm like, yeah, I see it on Twitter all the time. Pound me too. At that point, 15% get the joke. The rest don't. And, I, and then it goes. And then she gets the joke before me and reacts with indignation. That is a hashtag me too. And I go, I'm 37. Bitch in my world. That's a pound sign. Pound me too. Pound at that point. Rah, because if I just said pound me too movement, it, it's not enough. You have to you have to have them enter the world slowly and have it be a real scene between two people. And just like that Jay-Z pullover thing, you see both sides. You know, the cop's just doing his job, but he, and he's right. But at the same time, Jay-Z. I don't fucking know. Jay-Z's wrong in that. He sounds like a bitch in that. But um, it's like, I, if you truly think that people on the internet are saying, pound me too, the thing you should do is give them condoms because they're going to end up pregnant or with an STD. So like, I'm actually coming from an honorable place, but this is why comedy is a half step off virtue because the, the preacher, the minister, the, the, the religious figure would just tell people to be safe and to not have premarital sex or not. Um, and if they do engage in that, to protect themselves. But the comedian is half wrong. He, his intention is right, but there's something wrong about it. There's something that makes him a buffoon. And it's similar to when I was trying to stand up. I have a, a bit called uh, The Misunderstood Hero, where it's, uh, it's a couple is fighting. Same thing. I, I draw them into the world slowly. You know, I see a man and a woman are fighting. And normally I don't get it. It's not my business. But he seemed extra mean. He was like, shut up, bitch. And I'm like, whoa, I wonder what's going on over here. So I start listening. You know, I'm sipping my martini softly, but I'm listening. And it's like, and she's crying. And he's just kidding. He's like, you stupid bitch. And I'm like, enough's enough. So I put down my martini and I stand up and I go, hey, you don't talk to that bitch like that. And see, that's the same thing where it's an honorable move to defend this girl, but I just called her a bitch. But you see why I did. I'm drunk and I'm merely repeating what I heard. You don't talk to that bitch like that. That's comedy because it's set in the truth of virtue, but it's a half beat off. It's someone who's trying real hard to be good, but can't quite get there. You know, it's, uh, it's Charlie Chaplin is trying to get up the stairs to save the day, but keeps falling down because his pants are too big. I hope that helped. All right, I only have a few more minutes. I'm going to do that uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Read a couple more of these. Uh, this is from Mari. Does Dr. Sal go into the disparity between low-income children and very affluent children in terms of words heard? Yes, he does. As a former teacher, we learned that upper-middle-class stay-at-home moms um, gave their kids the best vocabularies because, like the low-low-income stats, high-income families were likely to leave their children with an uneducated nanny for long periods of time. Proof is in the Kardashians. That's true. Yeah, there's a certain uh, thing that happens with ultra-rich people is their kids then revert almost to the welfare state where they are ignored. The, the, there's, 
That's why the mom at home, the father working, and it's almost like the flow state. There's some called flow states in art. And you guys have witnessed that when I'm doing uh, Seven Nation Army and the Furrow East and all these things. It's where it's hard enough where you're focused completely on the task, but you have enough skill to accomplish it. That's called the flow state. And people experience it in uh, sports and in art and in lovemaking and in all these things where you're just in a state where you almost disappear and you become your action. Um, there's a certain income of that where your life is hard enough where you have to get up and work every day and make sure you work hard enough, but you're not uh, desperate. You're not, it doesn't make you feel panicked all the time. You don't uh, lose sleep at night because of money, but you make sure you sleep well because you have to work hard. You know what I'm saying? When you get into the Waltons and people like that, uh, they revert back to this weird psychological infant setting because they never have to work. That's why you'll see so many ultra rich people become philanthropists because money is no longer an obstacle. So now they have to find another thing to beat. That's why you see Bill Gates trying to beat um, AIDS and malaria and all this shit because he has to. He beat money. So what now? Now there's this, he'll be miserable and depressed if he's just rich. You know, a lot of times the people that get the richest and the most successful are the ones that are just fighters. They're just people that like to complete tasks. And once that task is completed, they don't change who they are. They're still that hustler. So now what? And that's when there's the two paths where you have the, um, the man who embraces the good and the man who embraces the values and the family can become good with his money and his time and his tasks. But the man who's bad, who, uh, who embraces the hedonic treadmill, descends into a darkness that I don't think most people can understand. Where, where caviar tastes like sand. Sex feels like nothing. You know, they won't even be erect. They won't even get aroused from orgies. Because the once, because it's like cocaine. It's like the more you do it, the less it works. To the point where you have to just keep, that's what, that's why you see these, these John Podestas and these Epsteins and these people that, that hurt children and they hurt and, and they, and they try to get away with rape and they try to, um, to, to in front of everyone, they, they try to hide in plain sight their monstrosities because they have to have an escalating amount of risk to feel anything. And that's hell. And so when these people go down those roads, there's no going back and they just descend and descend and descend. And that's why money is neither good nor bad. It just reveals and it amplifies. My mom used to always say money is not the root of evil. The love of money is the root of evil. Money is freedom. Money is in our world is safety, but at the same time, it's a prison if you don't view it properly. That's why you got to see money as a tool, not a God. Money is not a God. Money is a tool. And the people that see money as a God end up descending. They end up being the, the tools of Satan, like literally. Because once they see money, they can't live without the money now. You see that, right? Where you see like these people making 50, 80, 100,000 a week in entertainment, 200,000 a week. And these are once noble people. It's like the Lord of the Rings, like the seven riders before they got those rings. Like they were strong kings. And then they become these these weapons of darkness because when you start worshiping money and not the freedom money gives you, you need it.
And if someone threatens to take it away, they're taking away your precious. And now you'll do whatever they say. Tell me what to say, master. And the love of money and that lesson my mom taught me saved my soul, I believe. Because money is very alluring. It's very intoxicating. It's very, there, there was a time I made $30,000 a week in entertainment. And I know that feeling of like, tell me what to say and I'll say it to keep this gravy train going. But I was raised right. And so it didn't work on me. And that's why the leftists hate the family. Because the family will raise you to a point where abortion can be legal, but you still don't have one. Heroin can be legal. You still don't buy it. You don't use it. Money is there all the time being used as temptations, but you don't do it. And that is how you beat these things because the government will never do it right. The government will never keep you from evil. The government will never keep you from drugs or, or greed or any of these things. Never. So the responsibility has to be on the individual. That's why um, I give 10% of what I make a month to people that need it. Because for me to preach so hard against socialism... It's not about not having a social um, um, safety net. It's not about not helping those in need. It's about putting it on your own shoulders because the government sucks at it. The government will take that, that valid feeling. You know, they'll take empathy for incest or rape and make that abortion. They'll take the desire to help those unfortunate and make it a vote plantation. You know, they'll take the desire to protect our country and make it a, like a war that we don't need to do just to sell bombs. Right? So just think of the same thing with, as far as socialism, where it's like, we know that the taxes they use do not go to help people. In fact, it puts them in a position that they can't possibly climb out of. So in order to have the freedom that we preach to not have this welfare state, to not have this socialist uh, tyranny, you have to help people yourself. And it has to be one-on-one -on -one, and it has to be in a way that you know is good. And when you do that, you actually can have these opinions. Because if not, if it's just so you can have more money, I'm not, that's not how I feel. That's not the point. That's not the point of free market. Because free market should allow you to be free to know that you should help those that are at zero. And not so much that it incentivizes them to be scumbags. There's this delicate help. You know, this little push to let you back into the arena, but not so much that you become reliant. You don't want to create parasites. You want to empower those to go. Someone breaks their fishing rod. They can't get fish. You get them another rod. You don't give them fish. You give them enough to get another rod. Because if you just start giving them fish, now they need you. Now you're Oedipus. It's this eatable mother fucking eating her own children. And a lot of people do that to feel power and to feel control. And that's fucked up. All right, I'm ranting today, but fuck it, every now and then. Five bucks for you, five bucks for the unbearables fun. Panda bears should be the mascot for the left. They're endangered, they're part black, part white, but completely Asian. They have a strict vegetarian diet. They keep fighting the soy. <laughs> P.S. Subway sneaks soy into some of the breads. P.S.S. How can I get one of those sweet steins? I'll put up another 50 or 100. I ordered 300 total, but I was going to sell a bunch live. I'm going to ship all 100 out this week. I got to make sure I do this because I got to take that off Amy's shoulders. And uh, I don't need a lot of padding at all because they're metal. 
And that'll make sure that you get yourself a Stein. Is it PSS or PPS? Postscript script. Post postscript. Post postscript. I think it's PPS, right? Or postscript script. It's interesting. Is it post the postscript or is it script post the postscript? These are things that keep me up at night. Thank you, by the way. John, children of parents with professional occupations have been found to hear, oh, per hour, 2,100 words per hour. Well, children of working class families hear 1,200 words per hour. And children from families on welfare hear 600 words per hour. Wow. Clip from my Kindle version of Discrimination and Disparities. Love you. Love to you um, and Amy. Keep up the good work. It's so funny you said that because I wrote down 2,100 words per hour versus 600 words per hour, but... I didn't believe it was hour. I thought I wrote it down wrong and I thought it was day because that's a lot of words. 2,100 words per hour. Is that average for 24 hours or is that waking hours? That's a lot. This is from WCT. Hi, no need to read. No, I'm reading it. That was a very nice super chat. Uh, Can you give a shout out to Daniela for a perfect hundred on a very difficult paper? Hell yeah. Um, and no prob about reading the name before. I should have written this for... Oh, no. I'm giving you... This is from WCT. Shout out to Daniela for 100. And um, mom and dad are so proud. That's awesome. She's a huge fan. And then they say, don't read. I'll read this after. But Daniela... Daniela, congratulations. You got 100. 100 is, is, uh, is perfection, which is what the, the leftists are trying to sell us. And it is impossible, but sometime, somehow you did it, baby. You did it. I'm going to play you guys sound, Song of Silence. We'll analyze the, uh, the meaning, and then we'll get the H out of here. This has been a fun one today. So no more PayPal stuff, because I don't want to not answer it. Even though I did answer a couple from yesterday that I missed. Um, Patreon.com slash WDTL. If you want to support that, that's usually where I put the link to things I sell first. And yesterday, everything went an hour. Um, I also post convos with my mom there exclusively and, uh, hugepianist.com for Pittsburgh tickets, Richland, uh, Bellevue. I was going to do Portland, but that venue fell through. So I was going to reach out to the, uh, the Redmonds and I love the Redmonds. The Redmonds were the people that I, I, uh, I hung with last time I was in Portland and, and did all that woodworking stuff. Hit me up guys. I don't have your number in my new phone. So, um. The Redmonds. Someone hit up the Redmonds. They're bears on Twitter. Maybe we can do a show in their like space or something. They'll know some shit. But I, I really want to do Portland. But um, you know the theaters are all scared of me. Ah. All right. Sound of silence. Let's see what key it's in. I don't even know. In restless dreams, I walked alone. So these are the lyrics. He goes, Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping left its seeds while I was sleeping. Planted in my brain, it still remains. And then it goes, 
was uh, within the sound of silence. So what, is, what does that mean? The sound of silence is already a paradox, but it, but it makes sense in a weird way. The sound of silence, the absence of something being something. Um, all right, next verse. In restless dreams I walked alone. So what Bill, Liam, this is what Bill Burr does right now. He, he gives a description that's kind of pointless, but sets you there. Narrow streets of cobblestone. No point to that, but it sets you there. Beneath the halo of a street lamp, I turn my collar to the cold and damp. When my eyes were stabbed by the flash of a neon light, it split the night and touched the sound of silence. This is, the, the, I think this is a, a premonition to the inter internet. I think that's one of the reasons this song has survived so brilliantly, is listen to this next part. This is the internet right here. And in the naked light I saw 10,000 people, maybe more. That's a lot of people. People talking without speaking. It's just people saying shit and not meaning anything. People hearing without listening. People writing songs that voices never share. It's, it's, it's that narcissism of the lowercase i generation. iPhone, iCloud, iPad. It's the narcissism of I, but lowercase. Where you're in your own world, but other voices won't even share because you're alone. It's the, it's the hall of mirrors, right? People writing songs that voices will never share. And no one dare disturb the sound of silence. The sound of silence. The sound of isolation. The 10,000 people, maybe more, talking without listening, hearing without speaking, writing songs that voices never share. You're, you're, you're alone in a group. That's the internet. And you don't think that it gets even more crazy. Check this out. And the people bowed and prayed to the neon god they made. Bowed and prayed to the neon god they made. Neon, right? Bowed and prayed. Look at people looking at their phones. Head down, reverence. And the people bowed and prayed to the neon god they made. And the sign fleshed out its warning In the words that it was forming And the sign said the words of the prophets Are written on the subway walls That the people that you should listen to In tenement halls And, and whisper the sound in silence that, that, And the sign said the words of the prophets Are written on the subway walls in the tenement halls The prophets are, are written on the, on the slums. And that isn't, I think that's, the neon gods are telling us this, not God. This isn't good, what they're saying right here. The people bowed and prayed to the neon god they made, materialism. And the sign flashed out its warning in the words it was forming. The words of the prophets are written on the subway walls. That means like, uh, that that your new that your new god is is the masses writing shit on tenement uh, halls. It, it's the descent. 
I think that that shit is profoundly fucking intense. So, fool, a fool said I, you do not know. Fool said I, you do not know. Sil silence is like a cancer grows. Hear my words that I might teach you. Take my arms that I might reach you. But my words like silent raindrops fell and echoed in the wells of silence. Sounds like uh, Paul Simon and uh, Art Garfunkel also got kicked off Twitter. Silence is like a cancer grows. So if you speak truth in silence, it stops the cancer. Hear my words that I might teach you. Take my arms that I might reach you. But my words like silent raindrops fell. It's fascinating stuff. All right, that's going to do it for me. Uh, what do I have to plug? I think I already did. New special, hugepianist.com. You get all that stuff. Subscribe to vimeo.com slash Owen Benjamin. Facebook slash Owen Benjamin Comedy, even though... I obviously have no respect for uh, Kuckerberg or any of those guys, but it's still a way to reach people. Uh, Patreon slash WDTL. If you want to write me a message, paypal.me slash feedthebear. Uh, get tickets to live shows because this motherfucker, the people that write this aren't going to get away with it. Local comic Dave Bracey clashes online with alt-right comedian Owen Benjamin over canceled Pittsburgh show. The show isn't canceled. And that dude is not going to ruin comedy. He's not. We have a sick venue. It's going down April 28th. Let's do this shit. And there won't be any conflict there. There won't be any problems. Um, it'll just be a great night. We're going to tape Eric Nimmer. 25 minutes. Going to put it online for him so we can make some extra cash. Dude's got fucking cancer. Beating it. Four tours in Afghanistan. Not exactly a lightweight. And also really funny and a really good dude. And support other bears. Support each other. The whole deal with community is uh, community support. It's not about me. The, the, one of the best things about Twitter is now that I'm gone, it's still cool. You guys are still have the bear icons. You're still doing unbearables. You're still supporting each other and, and mocking shit and laughing and dealing with shit. Fighting amongst each other but coming from a common uh, place. Uh, common values where you know you can argue and it's not the end of the world. And that makes me so happy because it's, it's like that's something that can live on and that's a good in the world. And I, uh, I will put more Bear Steins for sale at some point. Um, but thank you all. Thanks for everything. Today was a fun one. I was a little intense. But, uh, you know, that's the deal. I love you guys. Peace. And subscribe to other bears. Build that shit. All right. Good times. And panda bears. P panda bears can go fuck themselves.